Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Advice Tech Show. I am Tess Lee, Managing Director of Bunny Info, and today I am delighted to be joined by Matt Jeffrey, who is a Senior Manager at Alpha FMC Consulting. Hi, Matt. How are you doing? Hey, Tessa. Yeah, very good. Thank you. How about yourself? Very good. Thank you. Welcome. Happy Friday the 13th when we're recording this. So nothing, what could possibly go wrong? It's all going to be absolutely fine. Um, So look, to get us started, tell us a little bit about your background, your role at Alpha FMC and what kind of inspired you, your journey to to kind of get to to where you are today. Oh, yeah. So uh, I started my career in in advice. So I did train as an advisor out of university uh, about 11 years ago now. Um, so that's where it all sort of kicked off. And I think sort of quite typically, um, I didn't necessarily know what I wanted to do. I wanted to use my degree in some way, shape or form, which didn't necessarily manifest. What, what was your degree? What I, was did econ- I did economics. Oh, okay, well, that's relevant, more relevant than mine, which was archaeology. So, you know, that's good. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it feels like it had a purpose to get into financial services. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let's go with that. Okay, <laughs> um, and, obviously, and, and obviously, I, I you know I, I needed some way to pay off my overdraft, ideally. So exactly, um, this seemed like the ideal thing. But you know, as I've sort of gone through my career, I've taken a few sort of twists and turns. Um, but I think the reason why I'm sort of passionate about advice and, and passionate about doing this stuff is because one, the advice uh, sort of community in the UK is is great. Um, you know, people like yourselves, you know, all of the all of the vendors in the industry, all of the advice firms as well are, are all absolutely fan- fantastic and it's you know it's not a massive industry so you get to know a lot of people yeah um, we've also got quite a long way to go in terms of building the you know the advice community that we really really want to and and providing the advice to the, to the ultimate end customer um so it's, you know that that's sort of really why i'm excited to to be part of it um my career journey itself took a sort of weird turn in the middle where i went from doing the advice to to advising the advisors ultimately um and I don't really know how that happened. It just sort of it worked. It worked out that you know helping businesses to succeed became part of what I was doing within an advice firm. Sort of here we are, another sort of six years later. So fantastic! I love that. Um, and you, you you sort of fell into it, but not as much as some of us do. I think there's a, and I think that's changing with the younger generation. But I think a lot of people that, that I talk to on this podcast, we all kind of fall into financial Mm. services from weird degrees that you would think have no relevance but they clearly give us certain skills or competencies that that work with the industry so um it's good to hear that and i I started in an advice firm actually as well but starting advising gives you a really good grounding for for what you do today and on that note tell us a little bit about alpha fmc what are the services that you provide and what type of clients or firms do you do you work with yeah so we are probably what you call a full service management consultancy. So um, in terms of the sort of projects and work that we get involved in, we can start from strategy with a big S on one end um, and client experience work, proposition design, that sort of stuff, really ideating um, some of the things of the future through to sort of outsourcing operations in the middle. So um, supporting businesses with cost optimization, process optimization, that sort of stuff all the way through to you know some of the larger projects we've done have been on sort of quite sizable technology transformations um, and general change as well so we're sort of wide in terms of our in, in terms of our scope um we've recently just hit a thousand consultants globally which is really really exciting oh, um, okay. really, really strong presence in europe um strong presence and you know really quickly growing presence in in north america and similarly in APAC as well 
Um, we've got such a you know fantastic team across across um, the globe, um, but we've got a really narrow focus on the types of, of sort of businesses that we work with. So we kicked off in, in AWM sort of 25-ish years ago, I think, um, and built a really strong grounding uh, on that side. And then we've done the same with wealth sort of six or seven years ago. And then in the last sort of two or three years, moved into the sort of classic life and pension space. Mm-hmm. Um, and then about 18 months ago, gone into the, the general insurance and specialty space. We've got quite a well-trodden path of establishing a good grounding with some you know seriously good industry professionals and consulting professionals in a particular space and then sort of growing out from there and, and you know that that looks to continue into the future if you like but having the the narrow focus of of um the businesses that we work work with really allows us to sort of look at the look at the full piece and that and that broad i guess that broad skill set that broad uh that the people that you've got across the globe allows you to kind of have expertise in all these different areas right and share insight i guess as to what's happening in the us compared to the uk or europe or that yeah. must be um quite valuable for the clients that you work with because we're all looking for the next you know the next thing and what where where should we be going what should our roadmaps look like what challenges are we are we seeing you must be able to share some of that insight from you know colleagues that are working across the globe yeah, definitely. And, you know, we've been working quite closely with our um, colleagues in the States on, um, you know, their sort of advice and retail advisor market is very different. Their yeah. Sort of D2C propositions over there sort of, they've, you know, really accelerated some of that stuff. Uh, and they're doing some really interesting things in the sort of direct indexing space for sort of individual clients. Um, so yeah, there's always stuff that we can we can learn. And actually, you know, working with clients like um, some of the really blue chip asset managers, asset managers who have fingers in all of the different you know areas that we're working in. Um, it really then gets the team together because we're sort of you know pitching into some of the really high level people at those businesses. So we yeah. are working alongside our APAC and, and North America colleagues. So yeah, it's it, it's really good. And we we do have a really good sort of collaboration system internally to allow those ideas to pass. And um, and what are you seeing? So coming back to the UK, then we know that the industry is constantly evolving. We get hit by regulation. We get hit by economic factors. You know, the, the, it never stands still, does it? It never has done in the the years that I've been in in financial advice, wealth management. And what are you what are you seeing as the most significant challenges that you're seeing with firms today, um, and in and in recent years? And how are you? And Alpha FMC helping firms in addressing those challenges. What what is it that's keeping them awake at night right now? I think it's most of the things that are, are keeping our clients awake are the things that are in in the headlines generally. So you know, consumer duty and outcomes yeah. are are massive, um, and there's a sort of linked uh, concern or interest here in in sort of customer experience and client experience. And I think that's that's going to be the great differentiator into the future. So you know. The, the platforms themselves are generally commoditized or you know yeah. they, they represent a, a, a really small part of um the customer experience the investments um you know are a similar size i think in terms of the things that the, a customer is thinking about and the you know the end customer understanding what they're looking at but actually the, the overarching customer experience is super super important and can create a massive differentiation across the different um, different businesses that we're working with. Some people really, really hang their hat on um, on the customer experience, which is something that we're working with a lot of a lot of businesses on. Um, the consolidation piece, obviously, these are all going to be you know 
um, very obvious to, to the viewers or listeners. But, um, you know, there's there's a huge amount of work for us in that space. And it's not just to do with sort of business structures, um, but it's technology. There's cultural aspects, yeah. um, you know, investment due diligence on, on some businesses. You know, now that we've got a bit of a, I suppose, a breather in transactional activity since uh, the market's been a bit lumpy recently. So people are really looking at, you know, how do we actually make the most of the opportunity we've got with the businesses that we bought? Um, so that's that makes up a you know quite a large large amount of that, and that can be people. It's always an operating model aspect, um, cost optimization as well as tends tends to be part of that. Um, linked to that as a technology bit, and you know, you you and I have worked on things before together in the technology space. Yeah, um, always going to be the integration and the ease of use at, at the core of those things. I think, um, and you know, we're we're working with a number of businesses on sort of the process optimization side, ensuring that where you've got, um, you know, quite a wide ranging estate of technology that you're able to utilize that to its, its full potential. Um, you know, I think if you, if you asked the 25 top advice firms, what their technology issues were rekeying would probably still be in the top five of those Yeah, has been for the last 15 years. So yeah, you know, again, people just looking to, to really optimize what their stack looks like and, and get the most out of it for their businesses. Um, and then the final two, probably a sort of a bit newer, or at least in my mind, a bit newer, um, are two things. So the advice gap, or trying to attack the advice gap, and and sort of view that as an opportunity rather than just something that's sort of talked about in the industry rags. That's that's really important. You've got some really interesting businesses like sort of Just FA and EV, um, creating potential propositions which can link into to sort of other advice propositions to cater to a market which previously hasn't been catered to um, and I think you know we'll, we'll probably start to see that um, that advice gap smaller although probably not in the near you know the very near term but in the sort of next two to three years I'd be you know really interesting to, to watch out for for changes there um, and then the final final thing that we're seeing and, and having a number of um, conversations on is the platform strategy of advice businesses yeah um, so you know and this this can be just what is our strategy around which retail retail advisor platforms to use and why but you know actually with the likes of Seco and Hubwise and some really interesting other models coming around coming out um you know what P1 are doing as well is just super interesting this space creates a whole new dimension to um how the you know end customer actually accesses investments and you know ultimately accesses their money out the other side so yeah lots and lots of exciting things and I'll probably what? I mean, there's a, huge, there's a massive load of stuff to to think about there, isn't there? And, the, and you've you've hit on, I'm sure, what a lot of our firms are, are, are they're kind of probably going tick 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 tick. Yeah, yeah, these are the things that that are keeping us awake at night a little bit. And I think I was interested in you know you made a comment there that most most firms now have quite a wide-ranging tech estate right they don't have a, a, a one system that's going to do everything for them I don't believe in that I don't think that one system can ever do everything well I think I think people's source of truth and and an operating model is around a, an ecosystem of technologies and you hit the nail on the head when you said that integration is one of the biggest challenges and we see that and we're a tech provider and we're not perfect we don't integrate everywhere that we should but I don't know if you're seeing what we're seeing, which is much more of an appetite for tech firms to solve these problems, not by trying to do it all ourselves, but but by integrating in the right places. And that's something we're we're really keen on at Money Info, because for me, 
the right way to deliver our roadmap is to, to not just decide on what we're going to do, but it's it's a decision around what do we build and what do we integrate with, right? And those are systems that are in the industry. We're increasingly seeing firms using more generic systems that are nothing to do with our industry, not specific. So that's quite an interesting concept for me. And then that feeds into the platform strategy as well, right? Because there's much more that we can be doing to connect platforms with advice firms and wealth managers more effectively than, than we have in the past. And you've mentioned some of those, I don't know whether they're disruptors or they're just a bit more forward thinking, but they're certainly starting to change the landscape in terms of how firms feel and think about their platform strategy moving forward but I think the overarching I don't know if you agree with this but the overarching thing that I'm seeing out there with wealth management advice firms is they want control over their client experience they want control over that whether that's the platform side of things or their front-facing client experience it is about being able to make best use of technology but make it their own so when their clients come in they feel this is ABC's wealth you know this is this is home. This is this is this is a differentiator for me because, and that I think is where the battleground will be. It's not going to be around the underlying tech necessarily, but it's how you deliver that and how you set aside your service proposition and how you work with your clients and you do things and your culture comes into that as well. Yeah, agree? I, I absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. And you know, I'm going to be quite consultanty here, but one of the things we always see is you know, people trying to let perfect get in the way of great, right? So it's yeah. picking the picking the integration or picking the, um, does this deal with 85% of the problem and therefore we can manage it on an exception basis? Because that's probably, you know, a, a fantastic solution and you could spend five to 10 years and, you know, tens of millions of pounds trying to fix that final 15%, but you can already get there to that 85% quite quickly, doing the right things with the right businesses. And, you know, talking about your own, strategy with integrations it you know it it is right you, you don't want one product to do everything because it will do everything to a you know less good degree yeah uh, but it is about finding the right partners it's about going in with your eyes wide open and i think this is the thing i think people maybe expect technology to do everything and do it perfectly all of the time which you know is just never going to be the it's case not, it's not going to be the case no. it's, yeah, it's just one of those things but you know that's that's it if you're, you're going in with your eyes wide open and you you know realize that there are going to be some exceptions to the perfect process, but actually that you can do some pretty fantastic things um, with, with sort of technology, with minor, you know, um, minor bespoking, um, then that, you know, that's a really good basis on which to sort of build, build business and build text. That 80-20 rule, isn't it? If you can get it right 80%, if you can reduce 80% of the key rekeying, re if you can get it right 80% of the, the time, if 80% of your clients will use technology, but there's 20% that you might have to deal with in a slightly offline way, then that's where you want to get to because you're never going to get, it doesn't matter what we do in any aspect of life, you're never going to get 100% there, right? We've got to be realistic about what we can achieve. But if we can, if we can reduce rekeying by 80%, that's a phenomenal result because it's going to have huge productivity gains and therefore profit profitability, cost cutting all, all come, comes as off the back of that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, another thing that we see quite frequently is the business doing things which they think is, you know, think are right uh, and that do cost a lot of money and take up a lot of resource. But then some, you know, some of the most effective changes to technology or customer experience are often the smallest. Yeah. So to a document is changing a document from two pages to one or yeah. it's changing the color so it's consistent with a different website or, you know, the, the platform experience 
it's those things and, and you can even look internal as well from an advisor perspective you'll find that a lot of advisors have sort of inertia around the technology if they don't trust it and it could just be a very minor change which which removes that inertia and actually allows that advice process to work in a, in a much better way so yeah it's 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 again refocusing from you know what has classically been we're, we're the central team and we're going to create this new thing to how can we put this in the mind of of the customer and, that, and the advisor and the advisor I guess it's that small changes make a big impact isn't it you know and we when we implement we always do it in manageable chunks small changes make a big impact you don't have to get to your ultimate end game in day one and actually if you try that you'll spend 12 months over engineering something and you'll never get out the door right so I think I think I'd agree totally with that and we see we see success from that and on that what can you give us without giving away any confidences client confidentiality or anything can you give us some examples of any success or stories or um projects that really stand out for you in terms of you know implementing that kind of stuff to make it make a big difference yeah yeah definitely um yeah not breaking any confidences but we we worked with one of the um the sort of now preeminent consolidator firms in in the advice industry um and we were with them for sort of nine and 18 months uh from pre-funding um through initial strategy into you know the, the first couple of acquisitions they made um supporting them in in many different areas including their sort of technology strategy and implementation and you know ultimately ended up being sort of i think it was six acquisitions later um a, a dual running implementation of i think three or four bits of technology and the completion of maybe a sort of 15 to 20 executive committee initiatives that they wanted to get through and you know that's we take massive pride in that as a as a project because it really exposed the varying and assorted uh consulting skill set that we've got you know through yeah. strategy the prop design technology and implementation and the change um you know we really hold that in in high regard and the fact that it was um you know one of the well-known advice firms as well gives us great credential in the space to to then sort of go and work with some of the other larger businesses um so you know then they're, they're not even sort of halfway through their growth story at this point and you know we we see that as one of our sort of um flagship flagship projects if you like but you know you guys were involved in that as well um, yeah. it was a sort of coming together of, of you know lots of really strong industry heads to create a, ultimately a, a really fantastic outcome for the client and you get so much insight from that don't you you, you know we all learn from that because yeah. you know, we don't know it from outset you don't know exactly exactly how this is going to go you, you know what your success criteria are but and you've got to hit those but there's so much that happens along the way that you you kind of learn from and, and evolve from and I think that's worked work really well where for us as a tech firm the the reason we we partner with firms like alpha fmc um and it is because you bring a much broader picture you know our job is to get money info into these firms right and to get them from a to b get it implemented get it into live client rollout get them seeing the benefits of their and the value in their investment in that technology as quickly as we can um, and and then to keep supporting that on an ongoing basis. So they, you know, I don't want any firm to say to me ever, I only use 10% of money info than what we're paying for. You know, this is this is what we're all about. But when we work with with companies like yourself, we get that broader picture. You're able to see us in the context of that business's overarching objectives and strategy. And that's really helpful for us because we understand, you know, how we fit into that, and most importantly, how we're going to drive value to help that business ultimately meet their their overarching strategy as well. So, I think it's a really complementary, you know, that triangle of client and consultancy and tech firm is a is a really complementary 
solution to, to really help, you know, make sure those success criteria hit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we probably see ourselves as sort of um, the middle people, if you like, it's sort of interpreting the needs of this side and, and bringing those two things together. Yeah. Um, but, but you know, exactly right. We, we're learning a huge amount from you guys and the way that you're doing it and um, and the, you know, the, the right way to implement and train and business ready for, you know, money info implementation. Um, so, yeah, I think you're right. And as I said at the top of the call, it's like we're not a massive industry. So actually lots of people that we've probably worked with on a previous project together will be working on the next one. Um, or yeah. at least have friendly faces and you know people that we've seen and and worked with and and how do you see so what do you think the pace of change is right now because i feel there's a momentum that's building right within the and we've been trying to get to this straight through processing digital you know we've, we've been trying to really transform this industry for a number of years and and there've been a lot of roadblocks along the way i think a lot of the roadblocks probably have been people roadblocks rather than tech roadblocks necessarily. And I, and I think we're seeing much more now an appetite across, particularly across tech providers to do more together. But we've heard a lot about digital transformation over recent years. I mean, how do you see the adoption of tech impacting the firms that you're working with in, in advice and wealth management? What do you think the, the pace of change is looking like now? And, and, and you know, how are you, how you helping firms to, I guess, leverage those, those technologies? Yeah, it's a really good question, and I, you know, it's a, probably a bit a mixed bag, um, yeah. as, as you might expect. Um, but I think, again, it's it's the businesses that are really sort of performing well in this space, and um, you know, leveraging the capabilities of the technology they've got are the ones that are recognizing that there are limitations in it almost. So it's the it's the ones that are going right. I know that I can do this really well with these you know, two or three bits of technology and the way that they're integrated and potentially they've got their own tech teams that can support you in implementation and then the sort of ongoing sort of continuous improvement. Um, those are the ones that are really uh, progressing and, and sort of creating change, positive change in their business and ultimately sort of becoming more efficient, spending more time with, with the clients and creating an, an overarching better customer outcome um, and probably creating a better outcome for for their staff as well so you know more fulfilling roles for advice teams from advisor um power planners admins executives etc um so those are the ones that are sort of doing really really well um but it's it's naturally that there's a sort of stretch and as you say there is a people element to this so mm-hmm. um the tech stacks inevitably have been around since they these firms um, and you know, there's you know fiefdoms of you know owners of certain products, and you know quite often we're st- you know still seeing lots of proprietary software that's been created over time or evolved out of Excel spreadsheets over sort of 15, 20 years. It's it's, it's really difficult to create that change, especially when you've got huge backbooks of yeah. customers, all that sort of stuff. Super easy if you're starting a brand new advice firm from from scratch today um, to, to to do that really well. But yeah, it's it's probably a mixed bag. I think the way that we're trying to support um, our clients in doing that is from the outset, setting the right level of expectation, managing those expectations throughout. Um, you know, as you say, in that sort of tripartite relationship, we want to act as the go-between between the business and the tech provider. Because as you say, you're going to want people to use your product to its maximum potential yeah. and use it in whatever way they want to use it in and actually to try and bring those two things together and if it's 80% then that's absolutely fantastic 
Um, so that's how we're sort of trying to trying to a build again the trust of these businesses in technology and ensure that it's it's really being used to its its potential because that's where you're really unlocking um, some of the positive positive changes across the advice and process. I, and I guess what we see with you as well is helping firms to understand how how their processes can work with the technology and how they might adapt certain things one of the things that i've never been a believer in is that we don't we don't deliver in our tech and onboarding process and say this is the money info onboarding process you can do onboarding and this is how you do it because firms will go well that's not how we do it we we've, we've, we want to do it this way this is our client experience so it means that the technology becomes very configurable um, and there's huge scope for firms to really make it their own. They've got control over that. But it's important that when they look at their processes, you know, our first our first starting point is how, you know, what's what ha- when I come to you as a client, what happens? What do I what's what's my experience? What do you what do you talk to me about? What happens next? When do I have to sign things or do things or and then the job is then to say, okay, this is how we can facilitate that through the tech and actually take the paperwork out, take automate some of this stuff, focus you on the conversations with the client and the peace of mind that you're giving them. And there's a real trick to that because it isn't about re-engineering your whole operating model and your business to fit technology. It's our job to be able to say, yeah, tech can do that for you. If you want to do it this way, that's okay. But where you come is you can start to to talk to firms and go, well, you are doing it this way, but actually, because we've got this piece of technology now, we could change that a little bit, and suddenly, small change, massive overhead taken away, or some costs cut out, or we've got rid of all that paperwork and we can digitize that. So it's a really interesting dynamic and and process that, you know, but what we have to ultimately both understand, I guess, is it's the firm, it's our client's process and experience that that they you know they should dictate that and be in control of that and that's that's where this partnership works really well I think because we can you know we can allow them to not allow them they they will dictate to us how they want that process to work and it's our job to to make it work right yeah 100 percent. I mean you know some of the I think because that's their differentiator right it's well, the, yeah, not, you know that's yeah. that's what's really setting them apart is how they deal with their clients yeah yeah, it's exactly right. But you know, to, to your point, um, we've done this with a, a, you know, two or three clients now, where we've done a proper sort of time in motion study of how each of their processes runs, and we can do that across regions, and we can do that sort of, um, you know, throughout their different offices and and as part of their different pro, uh, propositions as well. Um, and it's been really interesting to see the reactions of those businesses to go. I thought that bit, you know, it took twenty minutes, but actually, it's taking a lapse time of three days or something like that. And actually bringing that stuff to light, yeah, it's sort of presenting a you know money info solution, and you're going well. Actually, rather than this taking three hours to rekey the fact find back into the system, you're doing it here, and it's live, and the client's taking it. It it costs your business no time to do that. It's, yeah, those are the conversations that are really really interesting. Where you're sort of it's something that wasn't necessarily obvious to the business before, but you're you're showing them the A B test almost to. This yeah, is how you could change things for the positive. tangible results, isn't it? Because ultimately, yeah. it comes down to return on investment, right? If you're yeah. going to invest in technology, you want to see that that's going to achieve a return on that investment, and you're going to see cost savings, profitability, productivity increases, better client engagement, whatever it happens to be. So that's really interesting. We need to share some of that insight <laughs> soon because you know, I mean, we're doing some of that together anyway, aren't we? But um, I think that's what firms want to see, isn't it? The real tangible 
outcomes that they're going to achieve yeah. from technology. And what, okay, we're heading, we're heading towards the, the end of our session day, but what do you think, what's the next big challenge that you're seeing for firms on the horizon now? There's a lot of talk about AI, but my view is for a lot of firms are kind of, they haven't got the building blocks in place to, to do, there are some, there are some use cases for it. I don't think the industry has really articulated those well yet, but what do you think is the next big challenge for firms once they've got, you know, the basics right, what, what's on the horizon? Yeah, it's a good, it's a good question. You know, and AI obviously is part of sort of every conversation that we're having at the minute. Yes. Yeah. So, to your point, uh, it, you know, it's, it was the same with, you know, same with portal technology. It was the same with anything, unless you've got the back office really nailed uh, and the data is correct, you, you're going to struggle. As you say, there are some use cases that we're seeing coming through. So, um, sort of policy plan uh, account. Um, analysis, those sorts of things, or sort of chat, a few chatbots that we're seeing coming through um, generative AI. So yeah, it's you know really exciting space, but it's again, it's an inertia element, and I think certainly with the sort of bots where they're sort of it's a two-way conversation. Um, you know, I know that my bank has always provided me a pretty poor experience when it's come to <laughs> looking at my account status for on the on the sort of chatbot thing. So again, there's just going to be a natural inertia to sort of trusting that bit of technology. But as you say, the, within the businesses, the the background needs to be, you know, really the the foundation needs to be really stable ultimately. Yeah. Um. So that's you know, it's a really interesting one. We're having some some good conversations on it, and I think um, you know, there are some businesses in this space that are already doing some fantastic stuff. Um. On that, so you know, we we are quite close with Aveni. Um. And yeah, I've I've been I've had a couple of firms talk to me about them recently, so I think there's certainly somebody will be we'll be talking to because they're doing some good stuff in that space right yeah definitely and it's you know their sort of current use cases they've got they've got many but from purely from a risk perspective they've got a fantastic compliance product but you know being able to record transcribe and analyze and then create suitability reports out of a phone call just like this it's pretty you know it's really really um amazing and you know hopefully bringing some of that through in the next few years to see you know pretty changed landscape with regards to provision of advice but i guess um, have to go through that adoption curve that we've gone through and we're kind of the other side of it now in getting advisors and wealth managers to to trust that right and there's always got to be a human element to it there's always got to be an eyeballing of this it it, it helps shortcut but doesn't replace the brilliant work that advisors and power planners and, and wealth managers and investment managers are doing but it does help to make that process quicker and easier for them to conduct right it gives them it gives them a straw man that they can then go okay i'm happy with this but actually i want to change this language a little bit i want to make it how my clients know me and how i and, and how I know the firm and how they deliver that to the client yeah exactly and it's, it's just it's a movement generally from uh you know a purely manual or a largely manual set of processes to managing the issues or um, nuances on an exception basis and that's yeah. sort of what what we should be doing throughout the industry do you know what i mean that's that's you know where everything should be going yeah it's just, you know it, it's the inertia it's the trust element which which really it is the, i think together and it's the understanding that none of none of these technologies are going to replace the human advisor yeah. right because all of us want that connection that human connection in an advice or a wealth process because we're making big decisions about things that affect our future and all of us want to look someone in the eye in the eyes and for them to say 
this is the decision we need to be making. This is how we're going to hit that goal. And, and we've gone through the right due digital process to get you as close as you can to, you know, and we'll review it on an ongoing basis. It's what we want. I always say when people are um, engaging with financial advice firms, they're paying for peace of mind. Yeah. They're not paying for an investment strategy. They're not mm -hmm. paying for a document that tells them their goals, albeit this is all valuable stuff. Ultimately, we're paying for peace of mind. Yeah. And that's what a computer can't give. Right. No. Exactly yeah. right. Exactly right. Um, so yeah, AI very exciting. I think that there is a um, a really interesting sort of dynamic uh, emerging right now, where um, the sort of PE investment cycle of a lot of the large consolidators is sort of coming to an end. So we're getting to the end of that three or five year cycle. Um, you know, I don't know which way necessarily it will go, but there's potentially quite a, a different direction that the structure of the market could go in the next sort of two to three years. Um, and also with the sort of, you know, lumpy market recently, yeah, uh, maybe rethinking some of their strategy uh, and, and having to sort of reallocate some of their investment. So yeah, it's that, that side of it's, it's very interesting. And obviously with um, the amount of investment that we've already got, the, you know, continued consolidation, and the fact that there's, a lot of firms that have made a number of acquisitions, not just of advice firms, but you know, maybe a DFM, maybe yeah. a platform, maybe some other provision as well. Um, and actually, how do you maximize having all of those things under one roof? And you know, very few uh, businesses have really, really nailed that sort of vertical integration piece, both creating you know a, a better financial situation for the business and ultimately better customer outcomes. So I think there's probably a, a number of firms are going to be looking at over the next 18 months as a, right, we need to not just consolidate, but sort of consolidate ourselves, if you like, and make sure we're getting the value from the investment that we've made. So yeah, those two probably, you know, very big, exciting things. I think longer term, um, and, and this is this is <laughs> views of my own on this one, but yeah. I, I don't see the reason why there wouldn't be a continued convergence of sort of retail financial services. So a bit like a sort of, private bank for the masses like a sort of holistic private bank for the masses you know we, we had that you know, divergence of, of financial services sort of 15 or so years ago we've had a convergence within our space at least but you know could you envisage potentially sort of more classic retail banking products being offered alongside some of the products that we're offering within the advice world um i don't know it's a, it's a sort of interesting space and everybody seems to be you know waiting on a Google or an Apple to get involved in this space and then everyone thinks it's going to be game over. But, you know, that could come with, from within as well. And, you know, bringing those things together, you're creating really, really sticky clients and, you know, potentially some fantastic long-term relationships with those clients. So, yeah, potential. That's, yeah, uh, maybe a, a hypothesis which may never come true. Ah, well, we'll, we'll replay this in five years' time. And, <laughs> that, right? and I guess from Alpha's perspective, in terms of what's on the horizon for you, it's it's looking forward and seeing those things and then, you know, looking at how your services can help your clients navigate that that environment to to, to move them into the, the, you know, the future. Yeah, this, this is it. I think all of the things we've spoken about as sort of current um, issues that our clients are dealing with and then anything we we can envisage happening into the future we've got to be prepped for because we you know need to be the voice for for our clients yeah. we have to be the sort of critical friends to say look we don't think that's going to happen we have you know the data from all of these amazing businesses that we work with and we can't see that happening in the next few years or actually no that's something that you really should be concerned about and um, should be sort of putting some investment into 
so yeah it's um it's something that we always sort of need to keep our our finger on the button of and i think you know what are we seeing at the minute you know it's, it's all of those things that we've spoken about but we're, we're sort of continuing to work in in the strategy space for some of those consolidators and the, the larger vertically integrated businesses to really support how they how they create that that ultimate value um we've got a lot on in terms of that process engineering piece as well which is which is really exciting and uh, mm -hmm. that's not just in the advice space but also um sort of platform wide as well and, and into insurance um because businesses are going look we need to really squeeze the value out of everything that we're doing and you know we need to utilize technology but we need to be doing the most efficient uh, processes that we possibly can to to ensure the sort of longevity of the business so in the yeah. context of their in a lot of firms it's in the context of their very overall target operating model right it's not just the tech it's the people it's the process it's everything that that they need to to bring together to set themselves up for a successful future yeah yeah and like you know one of the things that's sort of emerging for us um is a sort of hr and people practice um and it's something that we're seeing more of where you know the the cultural side of businesses has it's not been ignored but it's it's always been secondary to something else like the financial yeah. technology but actually really aligning the culture and the people side and any sort of policies and that sort of stuff to the goals of the business really creates a sort of you know mass motivation to move all in the right direction and it's uh, so that. so important for buy-in right you have to bring everybody along with you in terms of where you're going and why you're doing things and to get them to adopt technology, the, the cultural piece is so, so important. It's so important to us. And not just from how we work with our clients, but also how we perform as a, as a business. You know, we have a set of business objectives across our people, our process, our new clients, our existing clients, you know, and all of our team are engaged in that and they help us drive that and understand it and shape it you know and I think the same with any transformational project is that the people and culture aspect of it can't be underestimated we see it's a huge cultural shift when you put client-facing technology out you've got to you know it's, it's a it's, there's a confidence thing there's a I don't think you can ever underestimate it and I think I think people and culture are so important to any transformational project because otherwise you know you're not going to succeed and that's you know sometimes it is a little bit overlooked it's all about the, the process and the tech and the you know what button presses happen and you know what tasks are going to get done and actually there's a whole ethos that needs to sit behind it right yeah absolutely absolutely right brilliant well look we're kind of coming up to the end of the, the the time today so before we finish just tell people if they want to know more where can they go what you're on this you know you're on the socials contact details just give us a heads up give us a shout out for yeah getting in touch all the people that are going to want to get in, in touch with <laughs> fmc when they've watched this podcast because you you, you know the, the brilliant stuff we've talked about yeah fantastic i mean yeah going to our website to find out more is is obviously sort of first port of call but i'm very happy to um, chuck my email address in the in the link um, and yeah we're, we're always on the lookout for for fantastic people in this space as well so if anybody is interested in um, joining us then yeah no, please do get in touch fantastic well look Matt it's been it's been brilliant to talk to you on this Friday the 13th afternoon nothing's fallen over nothing's collapsed behind me we're all okay it's all gone well so look thanks so much for joining us on the advice tech show today really appreciate it um, it's been really insightful and interesting and I'm sure um, our audience will be uh, thinking exactly the same as well so thank you very much and have a have a great weekend thanks so much absolute pleasure
Brilliant. Thanks, everybody. Um, subscribe, share it with your, your friends um, and look out for more episodes of the Advisor Tech Show, show, show soon as well. Thanks very much.